Education podcast, where we discuss all things relating to students and persons with learning differences or disabilities. Today on the show, I'm talking with Dr. Nancy Wise. Dr. Wise is a strong believer in inclusion of students, even those with learning disabilities, in French immersion. She has experience as a special education teacher with the York Region District School Board, spending 20 years of that time teaching French immersion. During her time teaching, Dr. Wise worked to advocate for the needs of students with exceptionalities. She holds a PhD in second language education and a master's of education in special education from the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education of the University of Toronto. Her doctoral research has been published in peer-reviewed educational journals and she has written multiple papers for both educational journals and the Ministry of Education. Welcome, bonjour Dr. Wise, it's nice to have you here. I'm happy to talk about French immersion. It's not something we talk about often, so this is fun. I'm looking forward to it too. So I said a little bit in the intro that um, you've worked in education for over 20 years and um, what you're, I'm wondering what you're seeing in regards to the understanding of learning differences in the school system with regards to French immersion. Because uh, I, I think there's differing understanding. I think we're, we're learning new things about it. But French immersion sometimes can be seen as something special and something that is only for a certain group. But what I love about what you're bringing to the conversation is that we need to open that box a little bit bigger. We need to explore the ability of, of greater potential in students. So can you talk a little bit about kind of your time over the last 20 so years and the work that you do and, and what you're what you're seeing? Sure. I guess one of the main things that I'm seeing and have seen over the years is that there are a lot of student needs out there and it's really, really hard for parents to access the supports they need for their children with varied learning needs, not just learning disabilities. You know, there was a great document that came out from the ministry, the Ontario ministry in 2015 called Including Students with Special Education Needs in French as a Second Language Programs. And whenever I meet with parents, one of the first things I recommend to them is download it, print it, bring it with you to every single meeting you have at the school because that document very, very clearly articulates the idea that learning French as a second or additional language is achievable for all learners with the appropriate support. And the, the supports is the hard thing. And I, I think kind of if parents are listening, I mean, you, you know, you just said go to the ministry website and download. I would suggest to all parents, go to the ministry website and download. There are documents about IEPs. There's documents about inclusion in French immersion. There's all of those really important pieces that parents can use to support their advocacy of their children, which is really important. What are some of the early indicators that a child might be struggling with language. And I think kind of maybe one of the things that I'd love to talk about is, is there a difference if they struggle in French immersion? Are they 
not going to struggle in English? What does that look like? What does the research tell us? So I'd love for you to give us a bit of insight in that because I know that's something that you work very hard to talk about. And I hear, I see it on Twitter all the time and I, I love it because it's, it's really great information. So can you talk a bit about that? Sure, I can. I guess, you know, problems acquiring early reading skills are often the first signs that we see of learning differences. Parents notice sometimes that their children can't do rhyming games or they don't know the first sound in a word that they've heard or the last sound in a word. They can't blend sounds together to create words or, or decode text. The fact is that reading support is rarely provided for French immersion students who are having difficulty acquiring early reading skills. It's often unclear whether they have problems because they just need a little bit more time to acquire French language skills or their problems are real reading problems. And what happens is educators tend to take this wait-and-see approach, which happens when there's just no clear answer to the question and parents are encouraged not to worry and just, you know, try to be patient and give their, chance, their child a chance to acquire those language skills and catch up, but they rarely do. And as a result of this delay in identifying these young children in kindergarten in grade one who were at greatest risk for later reading difficulties. Many struggling readers miss out on early intervention, which would increase their opportunities for success in the program. And these low achieving readers who sometimes aren't identified till like grade three, they have completely lost interest in reading. They notice that their classmates read better than they do. They suffer from poor self-esteem. It's heartbreaking, really. And, you know, my, if a child is having difficulty acquiring early reading skills in the French immersion program, they are more than likely going to have similar difficulties acquiring those skills in the English-only program. The difficulties tend not to just disappear when children make that switch from French immersion to English only. And yes, I do, I do tweet about that a lot. And, and my posting on Facebook is similar. You know, they, there is absolutely no evidence to indicate that parents, sorry, rather students should be discouraged from participating in the French immersion program, even if they're struggling. It's all about the support. What the research indicates is that French immersion students who are provided with appropriate support to increase their opportunities for success tend to be successful. So it all comes down to that support and what are we doing for these children, switching rarely makes the difference switching out of French immersion because these problems tend to be pervasive, which means that they 
they have nothing to do with the language of instruction. They often have to do with language processing and the all kinds of you know memory issues. So yeah, I feel very strongly about keeping children in the program, giving them the tools they need to succeed. So when we talk about rhyming, so we've talked about um, a, a really simple way of looking at it is the rhyming Dr. Zeus books, right? So those yep. books that have that, that rhyming incantation to them or cantation to them. I think what a lot of parents probably think is, well, if, you know, is the alphabet not the same? Is the phonetics not the same? Is that the problem? How does that become the issue? So you're essentially saying that regardless of the language, whether it's French or English, that being able to make those connections with the way the language works in terms of making sounds for reading or sounds for writing to be able to write, those will be present regardless. So what's a parent to do? I mean, they go into a parent-teacher interview and a teacher, you know, in French immersion in grade one, let's say, says, you know, Sarah's not reading or not engaging in the reading and we think, you know, the best solution for you is to move her into French because she's not being successful. How does a parent, um, I, I don't know, how, you, how do you deal with that as a parent? I mean, I don't know. So I'm wondering what is your advice to parents in terms of how to advocate for that and sort of say, no, I, I want more. I encourage parents to stand strong, to be very familiar with the research evidence, which is that we shouldn't take a wait and see approach. We need to get on this right away. Do these children have instruction in the classroom setting on sounds in oral language? It's called phonological awareness. I know it's built into the curriculum, grade one, two, and three, but some children need more than what they're getting in the large group. Some children need additional support, more intensive support to help them learn to read. And that could be in a small group or it could be on a one-to-one -one basis. So I would look closely at what kinds of supports are being provided in that school. A lot of schools are using the Empower program in the Toronto District School Board and other many other school boards as well. Uh, that's a research-based program, but it doesn't start till grade two. And as far as I'm concerned, we need to get in there in kindergarten. So I think parents, after looking to see what is available in terms of you know, teaching children to read, if they find that the school is lacking, they may have to look outside and, you know, build in supports privately. Or I've had many parents take courses themselves and teach their own children how to read using evidence-based methodologies. So I guess my most important advice is don't let them make you wait for support. Don't let them convince you that it's all going to work out and be fine. If a child in early grade one is not building those letter sound skills, isn't decoding, 
you got to get on it right away. So I think, I mean, to be completely transparent, my kids are in a, a French language only school. So the support that they're given is different because they're in a French language school system. They're able to provide the support within the school system because the whole school system is French focused. But when we look at French immersion, because I'm an educator, because I've worked in French immersion schools, some of the, the tricky part becomes finding the resources. So finding those programs that are research-based that are in French and being in Toronto, I sometimes find that that's a bit of a disservice to us. And I wonder if the situation is slightly different in different areas of the province. So I'm going to use this as an example because I grew up in Ottawa, which is very, a very bilingual community because Quebec is across the river. And I grew up speaking French and I, I grew up in that environment and, and I found it less difficult. But with my own kids in here in Toronto, they have struggled with the acquisition of language and reading in French and, and constantly being told to just move them to the English. And I sort of said, no, like I'm, we're going <laughs> to we're going to tough this out. And we have and we've gotten support from the school because we're in a French language program. But for parents who are in a French immersion program in a Toronto district school board or any other district school board within the province of Ontario, how do they find resources in French? Because, geez, I've looked and it's hard. You have to look real hard to find those programs. So how do we support parents in finding the resources? Because, I, you know, you hear about Orton-Gillingham, you hear about the Barton program, but are those also available in French in some places? Do they exist? Because that would be my unicorn if they exist. <laughs> right. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's the frustration for a lot of parents is that it is very difficult to find the support in French, even in the schools. Um, you know, I've had clients whose, whose children do the Empower program. It's done in English and then they're back in the classroom transferring those skills to what they're learning there. The research has been very clear about transfer. So you only have to learn to read once. You don't have to learn to read in English and then learn again from the beginning in French. You only have to learn in one language and those skills will transfer. Now I'm not saying that English and French are exactly the same, not at all, but there are specific differences like learning that ch is pronounced ch in english and sh in french the children would have if they were getting support in english to build up their reading skills they would have to be taught well in french these two letters make a different sound you know th is t in french as opposed to in english so so there would be some, you know, specific learning that had to be done to help them transition from one language to another. But generally speaking, this whole notion of being able to be aware of sounds in, in speech and being able to then realize that letters of the alphabet represent those speech sounds, that that applies to any alphabetic language. So it really doesn't matter if, if the, the Orton-Gillingham is available, do it and the skills will be okay. So I guess I never thought of the transferability of reading and that reading is reading in any language. And if you can do it in one, you can 
transfer it to the other. So I guess that's an important message to remind parents that, you know, even if you can't find the specific intensive, because I mean, really Orton Gillingham and those other programs are very intensive. They're very specific in what they do to remember that if, you know, even if you can find that, that that is getting your kid to read in a language and the other will, will come after. So I think, you know, hopefully those, those foundational skills are essential in right. whichever language. So we know that there is, or some people may know that there is a human rights commission review that has happened on the right to read. So I've heard you say a lot, even just the few minutes since we've started about early intervention and, and starting the process early. How do we as parents, and I'm going to say as an educator, because I'd love to know how to get some of that change to happen where I don't sit in a meeting as a parent. I've sat in that meeting as a parent where I've been told, no, 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 wait, it's fine. They're only in grade two. Don't, you know, it's fine. You can wait. And my own LD knowing, no, 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 I need need to know what's happening now to put the interventions in early. But I've also sat on the side of the educator having to sit through meetings where I'm as an educator told, no, we don't assess until they're in grade three because they need time. So how do we use potentially what's going to happen from this human rights commission? Because I've certainly listened to some of those stories and they are heartbreaking. Yep. And the evidence is there. We know it's there. How do we start to change the narrative within school boards within educators, within even some psychologists, because I've certainly met some who didn't want to assess my son before he was eight. They felt it needed to wait. And I pushed to have it done at seven. So like, how do we start to, to change the, I guess maybe the dialogue or the conversation we're having to get people to understand that the earlier, the better. It's all about the dissemination of research, right? I mean, a lot of times decisions are made just on the basis of people's beliefs, or preconceived notions. That Ontario Human Rights Commission is looking at the scientific evidence behind reading instruction. And they're asking the question, is your school board giving your children the instruction that we have seen to be effective? based on the science and and unfortunately a, a lot of parents are saying no they're getting instruction for example the you know instruction that that encourages children to guess so you're guessing what the word is based on the picture in the book or you're guessing what the word is based on the first letter in that word or you're using con- you're guessing based on the context. You know, skip the word and look at the context and what word do you think? What what word do you you know, are you guessing makes sense there? We can't teach children to read that way. There's about Nancy Young has a, done some wonderful work with reading research. She did something called the ladder of reading and it shows that only 5% of children learn how to read almost effortlessly, 5%, which means that 95% can benefit from the kinds of instruction that is scientifically based. And that does not involve guessing. It means teaching children the skills they need so that they can look at words, sound them out, 
figure out what they say and move on. Because a lot of times, certainly in, in French immersion, um, when they get to grade three, pictures are gone. The texts are difficult. The words are multisyllabic. And they're at a loss, those kids, is, you know, all these strategies they had built up that helped them get by up until that moment, they're not working anymore. And that's why, as a special education teacher, in that context, I saw a lot of referrals in grade three and grade four, where suddenly these kids just aren't getting it. Their achievement levels are so I think we've talked a lot about kind of what isn't currently happening, right? <laughs> we know what isn't currently happening. I've seen it and I've been involved in it. And, and even the other day, I, I, my kids over the summer, you know, do reading and, and I covered the picture up for my son and he's almost in grade four and he struggles terribly to read. And he said, mommy, you took my picture away. And I said, I know, because you need to, you need to stop guessing. You need to stop using that to, and quite honestly, I found sometimes the picture distracted him from being able to focus on the words on the page because he's, he's looking so hard at the picture to tell him. And, and it was interesting for me then to go back to my own initial, when I first started teaching was a lot of what I did was that way. But as you were talking, I remember being now, I mean, I grew up, I grew up when I went to school, I was in a special education program. So I was in a small class and I remember having phonics books and going through each letter of the alphabet with each of the vowels and spending days on end working on different sets and thinking, Oh, this is so boring. But now as I'm a mom of kids with LDs, as I'm teaching and as I'm learning and as I'm reading the research, I'm seeing, Oh, that actually made sense. So back in the early eighties, when that's how I learned how to read, we've moved away from that. Yep. Did that happen gradually? Did we not notice it was happening? Like, I don't, I don't know how we went from like, I mean, when was I in grade one? I was in grade one in 87, 86, 87. And I was being taught by an Australian teacher. I had been diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of seven. And, and I went into a spec ed program, which had I not gone into, I'm not sure I'd be reading quite frankly. <laughs> And it's still at that point, I was in grade two or three. And I think it was, mom says it was grade four, grade five before I started reading. So when did the pen pendulum swing, knowing that the educational pendulum, right, often swings, we go to one and then we come back to the other and we try to get back to the middle, but we often miss the middle and <laughs> we go over. Did nobody notice this was happening and did nobody say anything or, or I, I'm not sure how we got here. Yeah, I think this whole notion that phonics is boring was was quite popular at that time. And so reading instruction morphed into this balanced literacy, whole language approach. And, and now we find ourselves looking at the gaps, you know, these gaping holes in what children have learned. And we have to fill them now. We have to you know, your son, in the example you used, he said, you're covering my picture because he's been taught that that picture will help him figure out that word that he doesn't know. And a lot of instructors now who are trained in the science of reading are saying, you know, we have to unteach. These children have to unlearn what they've been taught because it isn't effective. And and so that was a great example. But yeah, we've, we've swung back to 
this and it's based on a lot of really, really good research. So what's going well? with reading education in French. Is there anything, can, can, cause I know we, you know, we talk about negative, but I sometimes like to try and find the positive if there is some, because I think that's important. Yeah. So what's going well in, in reading education and let's stick to French immersion. Cause I, I know we could, you know, talk about English as well, but I think I want to keep the conversation on the French. Is there something that's going well? I think that there are some school boards that are beginning to offer small group support to the children who are struggling to learn to read. I wish I could say all school boards, but it certainly is not the case. Um, and, you know, they're struggling to find programs that are based on the science of reading. Sometimes, with the best of intentions, they take on programs that are not scientifically based. And that's just tragic because there's a lot of time and effort and heart involved in, you know, trying to remediate these kids' problems. And sometimes it's just, they're getting it wrong. A lot of children with learning differences are, are getting IEPs. And I think that takes care of some of the issue in the classroom in terms of processing difficulties. You know, we can make sure that children see instructions in print as well as verbally. We can, we can give them a longer time to process information. We can use all kinds of accommodations to help them with their learning. But for kids who are struggling to learn to read, they need more. They need more, they need it more intensively, they need it in the school setting, they need it outside of the school setting. Every, it takes a village, really, to, to help a child who is a struggling reader. But yeah, there, are, there is some evidence that, that school boards are moving in the right direction. The, the difficulty is that there's a difference between policy and practice. So school boards are saying, yes, you know, French immersion is for all learners and here's what they need and here's what we need to do. And then I get parents saying, uh, uh, they're not offering it to my child. So there's a discrepancy there. If, if they're standing firm on these policies, where's the day-to-day -day practice, you know, because that's what the kids need. What about teachers' colleges in all of this? And I mean, I, I have to be, I probably have to be a little careful as an educator asking that question. But I, when I went to teachers' college, and granted, I, I went overseas, I went to Australia for teachers' college. So, you know, my background in, in teacher education is a little bit different than the Canadian system because, you know, I can't speak to what that's like. But what's the role of teachers' colleges in this? Like, they're bringing in you know, the French immersion side and they're, they're certifying these French immersion teachers. But when I talk to new teachers, they, I don't feel like they know. And I certainly wasn't taught how to teach reading. I mean, it was not something that was taught to me. It was, you know, I got into teaching and it was, here's how to do a diagnostic reading assessment. Like, here's how you do that. And that was about all I was given. So what about them in this conversation? Because I wasn't going to ask the question, but as you're talking, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, don't they have a role in this? 
Oh, it's a huge role. It's so important. You know, I recently joined a Facebook group called The Science of Reading, What I Should Have Learned in College. This group is one year old. They now have 44, more than 44,000 members. And one of the founders of that group was remarking recently on just how many teachers are feeling number one that they don't have the skills they need to teach reading effectively that they never learned it in university and number two they're feeling guilty for having taught reading a certain way and reading the research now and seeing that that is not the most effective way in fact maybe harming the children who need effective practices so yeah, that is a huge issue right now in the reading research community. And let's be really clear, because I'm going to say this as an educator. Teachers do not set out to teach incorrectly. They teach because they want to teach, because they want to enrich children's lives. And so, you know, your comment about teachers feeling guilty, I've heard it from some of my colleagues when they realize this. And, and it, it's heartbreaking because we don't want to do anything to negatively impact a child's ability to succeed. I would argue all teachers are in the business of providing positive, enriching experience for children that will in, encourage them to want to learn and engage in learning. But if we as the educators don't know how, it, it's a bit of a defeating process because we think we're doing the right thing. And then you come to realize you're not. And so it, it is a little bit, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to do. I just want to mention that that group I mentioned is also on Twitter. So if there's listeners out there who are, who are interested in learning more about effective scientifically based reading instruction, you can get it on either one of those. And I'll, I'll link it in the description of the podcast so people can, can find it. But so we've talked a bit about what teachers can do, but it's not just teachers. What can administrators do? Speaking as someone who is an administrator now, I've got a chair. I've got an ability to make some changes, maybe, maybe not big changes, but maybe little changes. And then what about the higher, how do, how do we get to those people at the top and say, Hey, we need you to look at this. Like, how do we start to build up that ladder from teachers to administrators to, you know, the, the board members who sit up at the top of the boards? How do we get them to hear us and, and start to make those changes? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of teachers out there who are, are very busy doing incredible things in their classrooms, but they work for administrators who don't have these inclusive mindsets. So they can, these teachers are sort of, stunted by the message that the administrators in the school are bringing forward. Everything comes down to the principal as far as I'm concerned. Principals have the greatest influence on attitudes and beliefs about who is, how to make French immersion work for students how to create inclusive environments. They have to familiarize themselves with the research. They have to find people in the building, teachers who, who share their beliefs, 
put those teachers in leadership positions so that those teachers can then influence the beliefs of their colleagues. And that's how it starts in a school. Everybody has to be on board and it, it all starts with, you know, changing beliefs based on looking at the research findings. I think we just, there's so much professional learning going on at the administrative level with French immersion. I think that's a win-win because if, the, if those um, administrators are getting access to the research, realizing that yes, French immersion can meet the needs of students with diverse learning needs, then they bring that message into the school and that's the starting point and onward it goes. So we need to see more of it. And I'm optimistic because of what I've seen in terms of the professional learning opportunities administrators have that, that we're going to see more of it and more of that practice in the schools. I think as administrators, we often look for data right? We want those data points to drive where we take our school. So we look at the community and, and what the data tells us about the needs. And so being able to see that, that if the research is there with the data and the information, then there's no reason why we can't try to start making the shift um, to make it more inclusive. So if the data is there, then there's no reason why we shouldn't be following those points. So I think that's a, that's a great thing. Yep. Um, are there any books or resources that you would really encourage teachers, administrators, parents, those exploring the topic of supporting French immersion, where, where do they go? Where can they find information? So I already mentioned this Ontario Ministry of Ed uh, 2015 document entitled Including Students with Special Education Needs in French as a Second Language Programs. Any parent going to a school meeting should have that document with them. Um, Nipissing Perry Sound Catholic District School Board came out with the most wonderful little guide. It's called Supporting Students with Special Education Needs in French as a Second Language, a Parent Guide. And it is full of just wonderful ideas. They do their best in here to dispel some of the persistent myths about French immersion and really try to empower parents in this guide. It's available online. Maybe after this uh, podcast, we can I can send a link to you so the parents can see that. But it's great. There's stuff out there. It's just you got to dig. And that's that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to help parents not have to dig so deep because you're finding information. It's not always easy. For sure not. I feel like we could go on for ages, but I think I think we've covered a lot today. <laughs> we've covered some basics and I think we I hope we've given some insight or you've been able to give some insight into kind of where we are and, and kind of hopefully where we're going. And maybe we can try and chat back in a year or so and see if we've moved the needle any, if the needle has moved a little bit further forward. And by then maybe that human rights commission will be out. It comes out in October of this yes. year. So we're we're talking in August and that comes out in October. So hopefully um, we'll be able to get some news from that and hopefully that'll propel things forward. So um, Dr. Wise, thank you so much for coming in to talk about um, French immersion and, and how parents can advocate, but how educators can take a more immersive role in, in what they need to do to support reading. Um, where can people find out more about you and, and the things, the awesome things that you're doing for French immersion? Um, I have a website. If you Google 
French Immersion Consulting. It'll come up. And I'm very active on Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, you can find me there. But in closing, I just want to say this to parents. If your child is experiencing difficulty in French immersion or is identified as having some learning differences, you have the right to expect that your school team will partner with you to address your child's difficulties. You have the right to expect that to the extent possible, everything will be done to increase your child's opportunities for success in French immersion. And you have the right to expect that any decisions regarding your child's participation in the French immersion program will take into account his or her strengths, needs and interests because at the end of the day, the decision to keep your child in French immersion or switch to the English only program is yours and yours alone. It's a really good message to end on. Um, and, and that decision-making is the parents all the time. I think yep. that's something too, with all children with learning needs that the parent, the, it stops with the parent the parent is the ultimate decider and, and sometimes you have to fight for it, but it is worth that. It is worth that fight. So um, thank you so much for leaving us with that message and um, for leaving us with this information. And um, I know I gained some insight for sure in terms of what maybe I can do as an educator and an administrator and start putting some of that forward. So thank you for the conversation. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are looking for help and support in creating a roadmap to success for your child through challenging times, contact me at accesstoeducation.com. I work with all families to help them build power and knowledge in understanding their child's needs and how to build success through advocacy. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at accesstoeducationtoronto. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so together we can create your roadmap to success.